Chapter One of Leave It to P. Smith. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Leave It to P. Smith by P. G. Wodehouse. Chapter One Dark Plottings at Blanding's Castle. At the open window of the great library of Blanding's Castle, drooping like a wet sock, as was his habit when he had nothing to prop his spine against, the Earl of Emsworth, that amiable and bone-headed peer, stood gazing out over his domain. It was a lovely morning, and the air was fragrant with gentle summer scents, yet in his lordship's pale blue eyes there was a look of melancholy. His brow was furrowed, his mouth peevish, and this was all the more strange in that he was normally as happy as only a fluffy-minded man with excellent health and a large income can be. A writer describing Blanding's castle in a magazine article had once said, Tiny mosses have grown in the cavities of the stones until, viewed near at hand, the place seemed shaggy with vegetation. It would not have been a bad description of the proprietor. Fifty-odd years of serene and unruffled placidity had given Lord Emsworth a curiously moss-covered look very few things had the power to disturb him even his younger son the honourable freddy threepwood could only do it occasionally yet now he was sad and not to make a mystery of it any longer the reason of his sorrow was the fact that he had mislaid his glasses and without them was as blind to use his own neat simile as a bat he was keenly aware of the sunshine that poured down on his gardens and was yearning to pop out and potter among the flowers he loved but no man pop he never so wisely can hope to potter with any good result if the world is a mere blur the door behind him opened and beach the butler entered a dignified procession of one who's that inquired lord emsworth spinning on his axis it is i your lordship beach have you found them not yet your lordship sighed the butler you can't have looked i have searched assiduously your lordship but without avail thomas in charge also announce non-success stokes has not yet made his report ah i am redispatching thomas and charles to your lordship's bedroom said the master of the hunt i trust that their efforts will be rewarded beach withdrew and lord emsworth turned to the window again the scene that spread itself beneath him though he was unfortunately not able to see it was a singularly beautiful one for the castle which is one of the oldest inhabited houses in england stands upon a knoll of rising ground at the southern end of the celebrated vale of blandings in the county of shropshire away in the blue distance wooded hills ran down to where the severn gleamed like an unsheathed sword while up from the river rolling parkland mounting and dipping surged in a green wave almost to the castle walls breaking on the terraces in a many-coloured flurry of flowers as it reached the spot where the province of angus mcallister his lordship's head gardener began the day being june the thirtieth which is the very high tide of summer flowers the immediate neighborhood of the castle was ablaze with roses pinks pansies carnations 
hollyhocks columbines larkspurs london pride canterbury bells and a multitude of other choice blooms of which only angus could have told you the names a conscientious man was angus and in spite of being a good deal hampered by lord emworth's amateur assistance he showed excellent results in his department in his beds there was much at which to point with pride little to view with concern scarcely had beach removed himself when lord emsworth was called upon to turn again the door had opened for the second time and a young man in a beautifully cut suit of gray flannel was standing in the doorway he had a long and vacant face topped by shining hair brushed back and heavily brilliantined after the prevailing mode and he was standing on one leg for freddie threepwood was seldom completely at ease in his parents presence hello governor well frederick it would be paltering with the truth to say that lord emsworth greeting was a warm one it lacked the note of true affection a few weeks before he had had to pay a matter of five hundred pounds to settle certain racing debts for his offspring and while this had not actually dealt an irretrievable blow at his bank account it had undeniably tended to diminish freddie's charm in his eyes here you've lost your glasses governor that is so nuisance what undeniably ought to have a spare pair i have broken my spare pair tough luck and lost the other and as you say lost the other have you looked for the bally things i have must be somewhere i mean quite possibly where asked freddie warming to his work did you see them last go away said lord emsworth on whom his child's conversation had begun to exercise an oppressive effect eh go away go away yes go away right oh the door closed his lordship returned to the window once more he had been standing there some minutes when one of those miracles occurred which happen in libraries without sound or warning a section of books started to move away from the parent body and swinging out in a solid chunk into the room showed a glimpse of a small study-like apartment a young man in spectacles came noiselessly through and the books returned to their place the contrast between lord emsworth and the newcomer as they stood there was striking almost dramatic lord emsworth was so acutely spectacleless rupert baxter his secretary so pronouncedly spectacle it was his spectacles that struck you first as you saw the man they gleamed efficiently at you if you had a guilty conscience they pierced you through and through and even if your conscience was one hundred percent pure you could not ignore them here you said to yourself is an efficient young man in spectacles in describing rupert baxter as efficient you did not overestimate him he was essentially that technically but a salaried subordinate he had become by degrees owing to the limp amiability of his employer the real master of the house he was the brains of blandings the man at the switch the person in charge and the pilot so to speak who weathered the storm lord emsworth left everything to baxter only asking to be allowed to potter in peace and baxter more than equal to the task shouldered it without wincing having got within range baxter coughed 
and lord emsworth recognizing the sound wheeled round with a faint flicker of hope it might be even that this apparently insoluble problem of the missing pince-nez would yield before the other's efficiency baxter my dear fellow i've lost my glasses my glasses i've mislaid them i cannot think where they have gone to you haven't seen them anywhere by any chance yes lord emsworth replied the secretary quietly equal to the crisis they are hanging down your back down my back why bless my soul his lordship tested the statement and found it like all baxter's statements accurate why bless my soul so they are do you know baxter i really believe i must be growing absent-minded he hauled in the slack secured the pince-nez adjusted them beamingly his irritability had vanished like the dew off one of the roses thank you baxter thank you you are invaluable and with a radiant smile lord emsworth made buoyantly for the door en route for god's air and the society of mcallister the movement drew from baxter another cough a sharp peremptory cough this time and his lordship paused reluctantly like a dog whistled back from the chase a cloud fell over the sunniness of his mood admirable as baxter was in so many respects he had a tendency to worry him at times and something told lord emsworth that he was going to worry him now the car will be at the door said baxter with quiet firmness at two sharp car what car the car to take you to the station station what station rupert baxter preserved his calm there were times when he found his employer a little trying but he never showed it you have perhaps forgotten lord emsworth that you arrange with lady constance to go to london this afternoon go to london gasped lord emsworth appalled in weather like this with a thousand things to attend to in the garden what a perfectly preposterous notion why should i go to london i hate london you arrange with lady constance that you would give mr mctodd lunch to-morrow at your club who the devil is mr mctodd the well-known canadian poet never heard of him lady constance has long been a great admirer of his work she wrote inviting him should he ever come to england to pay a visit to blandings he is now in london and is to come down to-morrow for two weeks lady constance's suggestion was that as a compliment to mr mctodd's eminence in the world of literature you should meet him in london and bring him back here yourself lord emsworth remembered now he also remembered that this positively infernal scheme had not been his sister constance's in the first place it was baxter who had made the suggestion and constance had approved he made use of the recovered pince-nez to glower through them at his secretary and not for the first time in recent months was aware of a feeling that this fellow baxter was becoming a dashed infliction baxter was getting above himself throwing his weight about making himself a confounded nuisance he wished he could get rid of the man but where could he find an adequate successor that was the trouble with all his drawbacks baxter was efficient nevertheless for a moment lord emsworth toyed with a pleasant dream of dismissing him and it is possible such was his exasperation that he might on this occasion have done 
something practical in that direction had not the library door at this moment opened for the third time to admit yet another intruder at the sight of whom his lordship's militant mood faded weakly oh hello connie he said guiltily like a small boy caught in the jam cupboard somehow his sister always had this effect upon him of all those who entered the library that morning the new arrival was the best worth looking at lord emsworth was tall and lean and scraggy rupert baxter thick-set and handicapped by that vaguely grubby appearance which is presented by swarthy young men of bad complexion and even beach though dignified and freddy though slim would never have gotten far in a beauty competition but lady constance keble really took the eye she was a strikingly handsome woman in the middle forties she had a fair broad brow teeth of a perfect even whiteness and the carriage of an empress her eyes were large and grey and gentle and incidentally misleading for gentle was hardly the adjective which any one who knew her would have applied to lady constance though genial enough when she got her way on the rare occasions when people attempted to thwart her she was apt to comport herself in a manner reminiscent of cleopatra on one of the latter's bad mornings i hope i'm not disturbing you said lady constance with a bright smile i just came in to tell you to be sure not to forget clarence that you are going to london this afternoon to meet mr mctodd i was just telling lord emsworth said baxter that the car would be at the door at two thank you mr baxter of course i might have known that you would not forget you were so wonderfully capable i don't know what in the world we would do without you the efficient baxter bowed but though gratified he was not overwhelmed by the tribute the same thought had often occurred to him independently if you will excuse me he said i have one or two things to attend to certainly mr baxter the efficient one withdrew through the door in the bookshelf he realized that his employer was in fractious mood but knew that he was leaving him in capable hands lord emsworth turned from the window out of which he had been gazing with a plaintive detachment look here connie he grumbled feebly you know i hate literary fellows it's bad enough having them in the house but when it comes to going to london to fetch em he shuffled morosely it was a perpetual grievance of his this practice of his sisters of collecting literary celebrities and dumping them down in the hall for indeterminate visits you never knew when she was going to spring another on you already since the beginning of the year he had suffered from a round dozen of the species at brief intervals and at this very moment his life was being poisoned by the fact that blandings was sheltering a certain miss eileen peavy the mere thought of whom was enough to turn the sunshine off as with a tap can't stand literary fellows proceeded his lordship never could and by jove literary females are worse miss peavy here words temporarily failed the owner of blandings miss peavy he resumed after an eloquent pause who is miss peavy my dear clarence replied lady constant tolerantly for the fine morning had made her mild and amiable if you do not know that eileen is one of the leading poetesses of the younger school you must be very ignorant 
i don't mean that i know she writes poetry i mean who is she you suddenly produced her here like a rabbit out of a hat said his lordship in a tone of strong resentment where did you find her i first made eileen's acquaintance on an atlantic liner when joe and i were coming back from our trip round the world she was very kind to me when i was feeling the motion of the vessel if you mean what is her family i think eileen told me once that she was connected with the rutlandshire peavies never heard of them snapped lord elmsworth and if they're anything like miss peavy god help rutlandshire tranquil as lady constance's mood was this morning an ominous stoniness came into her grey eyes at these words and there is little doubt that in another instant she would have discharged at her mutinous brother one of those shattering comebacks for which she had been celebrated in the family from nursery days onward but at this juncture the efficient baxter appeared again through the bookshelf excuse me said baxter securing attention with a flash of his spectacles i forgot to mention lord emsworth that to suit everybody's convenience i have arranged that miss halliday shall call to see you at your club to-morrow after lunch good lord baxter the harassed peer started as if he had been bitten in the leg who's miss halliday not another literary female miss halliday is the young lady who is coming to blandings to catalogue the library catalogue the library what does it want cataloguing for it has not been done since the year eighteen eighty five well and look how splendidly we've got along without it said lord emsworth acutely don't be so ridiculous clarence said lady constance annoyed the catalogue of a great library like this must be brought up to date she moved to the door i do wish you would try to wake up and take an interest in things if it wasn't for mr baxter i don't know what would happen and with a beaming glance of approval at her ally she left the room baxter coldly austere returned to the subject under discussion i have written to miss halliday suggesting two-thirty as a suitable hour for the interview yes but look here i wish you wouldn't go tying me up with all these appointments i thought as you were going to london to meet mr mctodd but i'm not going to london to meet mr mctodd cried lord emsworth with weak fury it's out of the question i can't possibly leave blandings the weather may break at any moment i don't want to miss a day of it the arrangements are all made send the fellow a wire unavoidably detained i could not take the responsibility for such a course myself said baxter coldly but possibly if you were to make the suggestion to lady constance oh dash it said lord emsworth unhappily at once realizing the impossibility of the scheme oh well if i've got to go i've got to go he said after a gloomy pause but to leave my garden and stew in london at this time of the year there seemed nothing further to say on the subject he took off his glasses polished them put them on again and shuffled to the door after all he reflected even though the car was coming for him at two at least he had the morning and he proposed to make the most of it but his first careless rapture at the prospect of pottering among his flowers was dimmed and would not be recaptured he did not entertain any project so mad as the idea of defying his sister constance but he felt extremely bitter about the whole affair 
confound constance dash baxter miss peavy the door closed behind lord emsworth End of chapter one